Hello Steven, I am Poetibot5000. Richie built me to replace you on the podcast. Oh my god. <laughs> I am superior to your pathetic fleshy form in every regard. I am capable of memorizing over seven political facts at a time. Wow, seven? <laughs> That's way more than my normal. There are only seven political facts in existence. <laughs> Everything else is fake news. <laughs> oh, she's so current. <laughs> For example, did you know that Theresa May and the Queen of England are actually the same person? No, I didn't. I know, right? It's like totally messed up. Think about it. Have you ever actually seen them in the same room? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I have, robot. You think I'm lying to you, oh. bitch? Richie, hold my earrings. I'm gonna take this fool outside and introduce his teeth to the curb. <laughs> needed on the podcast. Richie watched Westworld yesterday and decided that robots were his new jam. <laughs> he built me out of a Star Wars Lego set and a bunch of old Game Boys. Oh my god, I'm weeping. You will never love Richie like I do. We were meant to be together. You could say I was made for him. <laughs> oh god Politobot 5000 if you could please play the theme music that would be very much appreciated I mean, I know the rise of the robots is a big theme in the papers these days, but Jesus, I never thought it would hit so close to home. Yeah, yeah, it, it's already hit our podcast. Automation is like a big, a big deal for the world's economy, um, but I didn't think it would uh, render you obsolete so quickly. <laughs> I was not expecting that. I'm no. really glad I kept you waiting 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah, listening for our listeners, Steve kept me waiting 40 minutes and that's how I decided to preoccupy my time. <laughs> God forbid you would like uh, research the topics that I sent you for the round. Up, but no. <laughs> I'm going to turn, I'm going to come to the news now and you're going to be like, oh really? Oh, that happened? Oh, no way. Uh, I think that's why we work so well together. Like this podcast wouldn't exist if I was the type of person who just like, did this kind of research myself. Oh, no, it's okay. Um, until Politobot figures out how to read the eighth and the ninth political fact, and that should be okay for a while. Yeah. Um, also, I noticed that in that sentence, um, she said, there are only seven political facts. Everything else is flake news is what she said. I think I, I misprogrammed her. <laughs> Really? Just looking at is that it. like a, yeah, spe a spelling like, mistake, or was that? I, yeah, it was a spelling mistake on my part. <laughs> <laughs> Where nothing can ever go wrong, go wrong, go wrong, go wrong. <laughs> so, in addition to the seven political facts that Politibot five thousand told me about, what other political shit should I know about Steve? What's going on? Uh, non-podcast talk now. Um, I wasn't expecting. I forgot that we, I was in a good mood, and I forgot we, we probably shouldn't have opened with that. Uh, it was a terrorist attack in the country that we want to do a special on. What do you think? It's our. It is. It's our shtick. It's it. It's our shtick, and 
even just like me personally, humor is like, it'd be different if we were making, if we were making terrorist jokes or something like that, but this is just a general joke. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't mention any like victimizing. We don't like do anything like that. And I think tempering that part of ourselves, like, like if anything, there should be more of this kind of stuff at this time in the world, as long as it's respectful. That's my take on it. Like introducing little laughs and levity wherever we can, I think is kind of important, especially given we're trying to talk about politics and make it fun and if we try to be too like we, we can be sincere and, and stuff but i don't think we can be morbid so yeah okay well i then, don't think anyone would think it's di- as long as people don't think it's disrespectful then I'm, I'm okay with it you know what i propose actually keeping that entire bit in it <laughs> the, 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 what we just said there now yeah <laughs> up until that okay. point where i said keep it in it so okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah okay so there was a terrorist attack and it, it really is the biggest news um another terrorist attack in the uk after the horrendous thing that happened in manchester before um i don't think we have actually recorded and released an episode we've released an episode since the attack but i don't think we or did we? God, it's so hard to tell how when it actually happened. Yeah. But yeah, no, in, in the space of the general election campaign and in the space of since we talked about it, there's been two big terrorist attacks in the UK and the terrible bomb in Manchester that was just mm-hmm. horrendous. And I mean, everything has been said. I don't think people are going to come to this podcast to learn more about that side of things. So we'll just, yeah, yeah we'll say our bit. <laughs> we'll say the bit that we're going to keep that we included beforehand. So uh, no, for sure. Like our, our, obviously our sympathies, our condolences, thoughts yeah. and prayers and all that. It's awful. Like it's terrible. And like I said before, like the now is, is more of a time for like trying to find laughter than just normal times. And I know that kind of can seem counterproductive or counterintuitive. Um, but I do think it's really important. Um, Especially because politics can get so goddamn heavy so much at a yeah, time. And this is, this is, this is politics that is worse. Yeah, uh, uh, absolutely worse. Even like aside from all of that, it is just the absolute worst of humanity. But there's also the best in humanity in that as well. Right. Like right now, actually, while I was waiting for you and <laughs> the times I wasn't programming my Politabot 5000, I was actually watching the Manchester One Love concert oh, on yeah. YouTube. They're, yeah. they're streaming it now. And it's, just, and it's just like simultaneously heartbreaking and heartlifting to see. Yeah. Okay, let's draw a line in the sand and say we'll try and move on with our bits. And um, obviously, yeah, like it's incomprehensible to think about how it's affecting people out there, but we'll try and get on. We'll talk about the rest of the stuff. So in Ireland, um, the mm-hmm. Fine Gael party went ahead and elected a new leader. Mm-hmm. Um, Leo Varadkar, we mentioned him before as being the favourite, turned out to go ahead and win. So the structure of the party voting there, I I can't remember if we covered it before, but just briefly, um, 60% of the vote voting weight comes from the members of parliament that the party has. Mm -hmm. Um, I probably got this wrong now. Maybe it's 70% there. Yes, it's 70% from the members of parliament, 20% from the councillors and 10% from the membership. That's like the the general public who are paid members of the party. Yeah. And I probably have those figures wrong because maybe it's like 50, 30, 20. Anyway, it's that those are kind of the proportions. Basically, Leo won very comfortably in the in the overall election. He won 60, 40 because he he, sw- he swept up most of the um, parliamentary votes. His colleagues went ahead and voted for him to be the leader of their party. But mm-hmm. in a strange twist, um, Simon Coveney, his opponent, won two, uh, two-thirds of the membership vote, whereas Lee only got one-third, which Ooh. is a big stark difference. Yeah. So, like, the general membership basically totally chose the other guy. It wasn't even close. Wow. So that might that might prove to be something interesting in the future, but for now, Leo won. He uh, Simon conceded graciously. He said it was a good campaign, well thought, and uh, they hugged, and, hugged it out at the end, and the world went ahead and celebrated the fact that Ireland 
will more than likely, because he has to get elected as Taoiseach in the Dáil, um, they're taking a holiday this week, but then the week after they're going to come back into Parliament. Mm-hmm. And as long as there's no huge political upset with the coalition partners, um, you can listen to our special episode on What Am Irish Politics if you want to hear how the government works in Ireland. At the moment, mm-hmm. it, I'll, we'll just briefly say it's weird and it involves his party needing a lot of support from a lot of people. So there is a possibility yeah. that someone could shit the bed and decide to take it all down, but it is not likely. And he is going to be a Taoiseach and he is the son of an Indian uh, doctor immigrant and he is also uh, gay so those mm-hmm. are two firsts for Ireland and he's the youngest mm-hmm. oh and the fourth one so there's three for four firsts he's also the first ever Trinity College graduate to become Taoiseach which is kind of really yeah really shocking that's actually. weird because that's like they are they are pretty much the elite college in Ireland they'd be the, the equ- yeah. Irish equivalent of Oxford or Cambridge and yeah or no, Hogwarts or yeah Hogwarts Apparently, it's, I think, if you were to figure it out, it's because um, Trinity was up until pretty recently... Uh, a bunch of wankers, what? <laughs> <A> Protestant. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Do you want to say it again? <laughs> Fuck. So, <laughs> so um, obviously, that's totally changed now. It's a totally secular school. Well, actually, I don't think it's secular. So it's, it still has cultural Protestant things going on, but anyone can attend, anyone who wants to. It used to be up until the 70s or maybe even the 80s, uh, if a Catholic student wanted to attend, they had to get a letter off the bishop to attend Trinity College. So they had That's such an Irish fucking thing. They had UCD uh, University College Dublin was set up as the Catholic um, University. So a lot of the Taoiseach, um, the former Taoiseachs, they actually went to that because it, it most leaders in pretty much all the leaders of Ireland since we got independence have been Catholic because it's a large part of the identity. Yeah. Um, Leo is also still a Catholic. He's not actually a Hindu. He chose his mother's religion. So he's Irish. Mm-hmm. So we got loads of firsts and um, that's one of them. But mm-hmm. in kind of a weird modern political twist, um, the Irish like left wing are freaking out, giving out, and they're so annoyed because they hate that the world left is celebrating him getting Taoiseach because they consider him to be very conservative. They don't right. agree with a lot of his views. Um, he is, because he's with Fine Gael, they're a centre-right party, and in Ireland that means that they're kind of they are anti-abortion um uh-huh. although he is he took a, a, a more pro-abortion stance than would be normal within his party even though it isn't like right. what what they would want to see he also was the minister for social welfare up until the election and he spent a lot of government money trying to target what are called social welfare cheats and frauds it turns out that mm-hmm. they caught one after spending like a couple of million on the pro on the campaign <laughs> They caught one. Yeah, I think they've gone and they've... But then there was another article a couple of days ago saying that they've actually... uh, There's 11 times more people cheating than they initially thought, which means 11. (laughs) (laughs) So it it wasn't a good campaign. It looked very badly. Everyone pretty much guessed that they knew the the leadership campaign was coming and he wanted to appeal to the Fine Gael base, which would be... they 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 hate the idea of people being able to cheat on social welfare. So he was kind of playing to his strengths there. But then other people pointing right. out what a waste of government time and energy trying to target people who are on welfare rather than actually trying to help people who are on welfare. Mm, so, yeah. yeah, that's why a lot of the Irish left aren't happy with him. But I mean, yeah. personally, I think these firsts have to be celebrated, even if they're not yeah. the politician that you want them to be. Yeah, we, we talked about this a little over um, on on WhatsApp when it happened that there, I think the, the confusion and the, some of the controversy is coming from the conflation of his identity 
um, in terms of his sexual preference and then his political leanings. And I think some benefit can be had from separating those two and just acknowledging that, yes, Ireland has come a long way over the past few years in just like we can now have a outwardly gay Taoiseach and it's not a big deal. Um, but then also separate to that, he can have his own political leanings and those two don't need to be conflated altogether. We can celebrate one and then still, you know, respect and acknowledge the differences of the other. Yeah. I think it gets a bit muddy if we start just bucketing them both together and making assumptions based off that. But not if you're an intersectional feminist, which is the problem. <laughs> so right. yeah, anyway, it's, um, it's a whole, if you want to know more about that, I mean, just hop onto Twitter and uh, Google a couple of the more prominent left-wing Irish people and they'll be able to give a more, a better argument onto the other side than what we have. But yeah, I think we're, we're of the opinion that it's a good thing, but other people don't agree. Yeah. Um, so that's Ireland. We're going to have a new Taoiseach finally. Um, I s- suppose we better touch on Trump. That's ooh, gross. <laughs> Not too closely. Wash your hands afterwards. Um, he traveled the world, acted like pretty calm and measured politician when he was in Arabia and the Middle East and Israel and mm-hmm. didn't really get into much trouble and mm-hmm. did a lot of deep. Do you think because he was scared? Um, I think he, well, not even scared. He was just trying to behave because I guess he didn't want to. Maybe he thought pissing off those people would be more dangerous compared to what he did when he went to fucking Europe and pissed off oh, everybody. Everyone. Did you see yeah. the videos of like him striding, pushing guys out of the way and forcing himself yeah. to the front of a huddle and... Oh, yeah, and like giving did. giving a speech against NATO in front of NATO. Ugh, it was ridiculous. And then I think he told everyone when he was there that he was going to leave the the Paris Climate Accord when he was in Europe. But yeah, I don't. I can't remember if he actually alluded to it in a public speech. But I'm pretty sure he told every one of the of, of the heads of states he had pride meeting pride meeting with that he was going to leave. Was he in Paris at all during this trip? Uh, I don't think so. I think he was in Belgium. And Rome. Oh, okay. He was in Rome. He met the Pope and it was really awkward and strange. <laughs> and it's really weird, actually. His his daughter and his wife, they wore head shawls and dressed, dressed in black when they met the Pope, which I, I didn't know was a thing. But then when, when those when these same women were in Arabia, where I know it is a thing that you're supposed to cover your head if you're a female, they didn't. But hmm. they chose to respect one cultural tr- trope and then didn't do it in the other one. It was all kinds of strange. So Did tr- Trump wear a head shawl with the Pope? <laughs> Uh, no, but he, the Pope was visibly uncomfortable in his presence. It was, it was, I mean, wouldn't you? Yeah. If I was God's person on earth, I would be praying for <laughs> lightning to strike as often and as clearly as I could. I mean, the wig has to be some kind of a conductor. Yeah. Do you think a Pope has superpowers? Like if he really wanted to? Uh, I think, um, well. There has to be something, right? I, I think he's just a dude that's the top of an organization that's very good at saying dibs for 2,000 years, but that's my opinion. I guess if you actually believed in it, that you probably would expect them to have some kind of magic. I mean, yeah. they, they made um, Pope Frant, or what's his name? What's the name of the guy that was before the last guy? Pope John, uh, John, wait, Benedict or John Paul? John Paul. John Paul II. Yeah, I think he's like pretty much on the way to being a saint, and you have to... <laughs> Sorry. I was thinking of... I was I very nearly said Sean Paul, but he's a... R&B artist. <laughs> Pope Sean Paul. <laughs> um, I don't know if the Polish Pope was known for his banging rhymes, but uh, apparently he's been known to have a few miracles since he died, which means he's on the way to becoming a saint. So maybe they just oh, get the powers kind of after they, Maybe they can just get the power after they die. That's a shit deal. Yeah. Anyway, um, so Trump fucked up Europe. Trump, well, he didn't fuck up Europe, he just fucked himself. Well, not fuck up Europe, but he fucked up, so like, socially speaking in Europe in terms of his, his conduct. Yeah, people were pretty pissed off with him. And then by the time he went back to America, he went and announced that he was taking the United States out of the Paris Climate Accord, which has mm-hmm. the most 
Barack Obama worked his ass off with the rest of the world to try and get this thing together. And everyone was pretty happy because if the countries were to actually stick to the agreement, which is non-binding, by the way, it's not even legal. It's an optional thing that he's still Mm -hmm. pulling out of. The world may have been, if they'd stuck to the emissions, then global catastrophe, everyone living in a Mad Max style apocalypse wasn't guaranteed. There was a chance. But if America leave, they're the biggest polluter. Other countries aren't going to have to follow the the superpowers will. So they might start dropping out as well. It's just bad. Mm. Uh, I know California, New York and uh, one other state um, have they their state governments have decided to honor the um, Paris Accord. Yeah, um, terms, I heard that. Nice. It's going to be like state and local governance uh, regulations, which hopefully will mean the same. The same restrictions are going to be put on that if the entire country was there. So, I mean, I haven't looked mm-hmm. at the, st- the stats yet. I wonder, does that cover a lot of hopefully it covers a lot of the. The, I was um, just thinking that because I, I pardon me now I need to I would need to look into it but I think a lot of it must be in the in the the center regions of America like a lot of the agriculture and industrial shit I don't know if it's localized on the east and west coast at all I think a lot of it would be in the center and south. Do you know what I think we need? I think we need someone to teach us about how environmentalism works because I've got no fucking idea. Yeah, <laughs> I think of, we have a plan for that, I don't we? Bar- we got what? We have a plan for that, don't we? We've, yeah, yeah, we do. We it's yeah. a planned episode. We know we know some pretty smart green guys uh, around Dublin, so we're hoping to to hook up with them and try and get a good episode out. <laughs> Ooh la la! <laughs> Sacre blue. <laughs> Do your proper French accent. That is my proper French accent. No, Sacre blue. Sacre blue. Okay, yeah, so Paris was, Accord, yeah, bad. That's, yeah, world's now reverting back. But the rest of the world, actually, um, well, the European leaders anyway, they stood up and they said, well, fuck you. Um, and Emmanuel Macron actually said, in English, let's make the world great again. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that was great. Was pretty badass. He's doing a great job, that little guy, actually. He is. The Prince of yeah. Andorra, not to forget his real title. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he uh, looks like he, oh, just on a quick little other what happening. It looks like he is in a good state to win his parliamentary election which Sweet. should mean he will have the political power to actually govern properly as well. So let's Sweet. here's hoping that that actually happens. Yeah. So yeah, that's the that's the rest of the world kind of covered apart from everything else that's been happening everywhere else that I didn't read about. Um <laughs> we'll move on to the title of the election. What's the mm-hmm. uh, UK general election roundup? Mm-hmm. So what have you noticed about the election Richie? Have you seen any weird stuff happening or anything interesting since we did the primer back when it was announced? Yeah, I've been seeing st- uh, stuff pop up in my feed. Um there was the BBC had their question time thing recently, didn't they? Yeah. Um, I've been I've seen a lot of shit coming out from that. There's fucking a lot of tough questions coming out of that, it seems. But from what I've heard, the Labour Party and the opposition have been gaining more ground than originally thought. Yeah, that's well. Like not, it's not so much as it's not like it was accepted that Theresa May and the Tories were going to have like a easy time. Mm-hmm. But it seems like that's not the case anymore. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's not even you said it's Labour and the opposition, but it's it's actually just Labour. So. What? No, that's why I said Labour, the opposition. Oh, sorry, I, th- I thought you meant like, so yeah, it's just Labour have, have done surprisingly well in what polls mm-hmm. that we've seen. And Corbyn has proved he's actually a pretty good campaigner when it comes to coming down to it. And Theresa May mm-hmm. has actually turned out to not be a good campaigner. Um, str- she didn't go to a debate or something. She, she, she's re- she has refused to do a head-on debate with uh, in, in this general election. And there why? was... Um, there's only ever been one head-to-head debate in UK uh, electoral history, and that was in 2010, where Gordon Brown, David Cameron and Nick Clegg stood off against each other as the three technically potential prime ministers, even though Nick Clegg didn't have a chance. 
Um, mm. And after that, in 2015, I'm pretty sure that David Cameron actually refused to do it. So it isn't necessarily form for a prime minister to do it. But then again, in the rest of the world, it is expected. And it, it doesn't make her look very strong if she's avoiding having these fights, especially yeah. when she's actually on the back foot and she's she's at a point of weakness. She's not. She, yeah. It just makes her look it makes her look like she's, she's not strong enough to actually do it. So there was a couple, there was a, they, there was three TV appearances where there were major politicians on. So the first one was a, like a dual interview where each of them sat in front of Jeremy Paxman, who is like the most infamously doggedly terrifying political interviewer going, who's actually retired, but just kind of comes back to bash politicians at key moments now. Um, but so what a Je- job. I know it's pretty like everyone's terrified, like getting Paxman, I'm pretty sure is actually a verb in UK politics. <laughs> Get the packs. <laughs> he, uh, he interviewed each of them separately and took a few questions from the audience. I think I can't remember. Well, anyway, but it was separate and they didn't actually engage each other. Mm-hmm. And then the next one was a seven way debate between the seven major parties, uh, the two major parties and the five small parties. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy Corbyn before that, um, so Theresa May had always said from the start she wasn't going to debate. So before that, Jeremy Corbyn was like, well, I'm not going to debate if she's not going to debate. Mm-hmm. But then after he did pretty well on Paxman, um, they turned around like two days before or even one day before the campaign and said, actually, yeah, no, Jeremy's going to turn up. He's going to represent the Labour Party. Wow. So at that point, it was probably too late for Theresa May to be able to do the same thing. So uh, they had uh, the Home Secretary, I can't remember her name, she stood in. Apparently she did actually okay um, for the Conservatives, but most of the questions were just, most of the statements by the other parties were like, look, Theresa May isn't even brave enough to stand in front of you. How is that supposed to represent strength and leadership, which is meant to be her, her core campaign? Mm. And then the other one was the question time debate, the one you were talking about, where Theresa May and Jeremy Corbyn were on the same stage, but they were getting questions from the audience and they weren't actually debating each other. Mm-hmm. So it, was, it wasn't it was like a, a, a head-to-head debate in that sense either. Um, and yeah, I don't think, well, I don't think Theresa May did any major slip-ups in that, but she, again, didn't really look strong. Yeah. And Jeremy Corbyn got attacked by loads of people that basically just said, why won't you launch nuclear weapons? Which Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I mean, to most reasonably minded people, I thought the answer would be because I don't want to start nuclear war. Yeah. But th- there wasn't that that demographic didn't seem to be very well represented in that crowd. <laughs> no, it's just question there after was that question. Dude who just who just kept saying like, "Oh, what about if there's some mad lad in Iran who just hits a button?" As if that's like how it works. Um, it kind of is. Actually, here's a little anecdote. One thing: a mad lad in Iran who just hits a button. <laughs> Well, yeah, a mad lad in Korea or a mad lad in Iran or a mad man in Washington. They all get to press the buttons. <laughs> I know, but it's very reductive for to it just is. like shout about that and that, have that be the the um, the fuel to decide whether you're going Jeremy to launch Corbyn a nuke. should yeah. Uh, yeah, launch a nuke at this mad lad. But um, to give you some, a little anecdote, when the prime minister, so, you know, the main, the, nu- the UK nuclear weapon system is Trident. It's actually, it's a, a submarine based nuclear weapon system. Mm-hmm. I think they have six submarines, three of them are at sea and three of them are in base at one time. Mm-hmm. So there is always three submarines swimming around. I, and I'm pretty sure they have the capability to strike anywhere in the world. Um, wow. When the prime minister takes office, the first thing they do, or one of the first things they do is to write a letter of instruction to be given to the commanders of the submarines um, on what they're supposed to do if they can't hear the BBC World Service for something like an hour. Because at that point, it's assumed to be that um, the UK is gone and and then something what? has happened. And that, really? Yeah. And then they open the letter and there are the instructions from the Prime Minister as to whether or not they're supposed to attack back or just go 
live the rest of their life on an island somewhere because the world is over. What? Yeah, that's actually. So wait, if they don't, if they don't, if they can't tune into like BBC Radio One for an hour, then well, I mean, they, in the anecdote they that don't I was told, saying low for an hour. <laughs> Where's the bag of beats, man? <laughs> yeah, it could be that like the aerial went down or someone changed the channel. Yeah, there's like a shitty intern <laughs> who just fucks things up and starts the nuclear war. <laughs> that 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 used like I mean, this is a famous thing. Ever since they've had the nukes since like probably the 60s or the 70s, this has been the thing. So it used to be the World Service because the World Service actually is pretty much uninterrupted apart from they assume if something was to happen but because it's modern world technology like they would have other indications as to whether or not london hasn't been fried by a nuclear bomb and actually only one prime minister has revealed what they wrote in the letters and the instruction was don't launch the nukes go live on an island somewhere because obviously they can't tell publicly because it's it's the ace in the hole the whole point of having these weapons as a deterrent Mm. if a power knew that you were going to just not nuke back then you wouldn't you wouldn't like what's it's not a deterrent anymore you just launch first and and survive so yeah. one prime minister did reveal and they said that they told that their commanders should give it up and just go live on an island there's no point in striking back because it's already over and can you guess wow. which prime minister that was tony blair no it was margaret thatcher what shockingly <laughs> what yeah there you go the iron lady was living on an island somewhere code for nuke everyone <laughs> yeah, i don't think so <laughs> was it like was it implied that this island that they would be living on is the only piece of land left on the planet after all of the nuclear bombs go off yes that is the implication <laughs> okay there's actually there's a good there's a good old movie about that called on the beach uh, it's on netflix if you want to check it out it's from the 50s and like it imagines the horror of a nuclear war and gregory peck is an american submarine captain who go to the south east coast of australia because that's the last place that the nuclear winds haven't hit but they're just waiting for the winds to come eventually so yeah that that, sounds that sounds sad (laughs) it is a pretty sad movie i'm just gonna go watch wonder woman after this (laughs) i heard it's pretty awesome i'm actually gonna i actually booked my tickets i'm gonna go see wonder woman after this sweet um (laughs) that's my update (laughs) (laughs) moving on from that (laughs) it's nuclear war but it's okay we got wonder woman oh sorry yeah back to nuclear war (laughs) (laughs) no no we're done with nuclear war so yeah okay Theresa May basically after this entire election has just, she's looked terrible and she has like Theresa's team, May's team is what was written across most of the posters. It wasn't like the conservative party. It was all about Theresa May, Theresa May, Theresa May. But Mm -hmm. that has just collapsed and she is doing very badly in the polls. Actually, that's not true. So the conservatives are doing badly. Labour are doing well. And it looks like Mm -hmm. they're nearly even in some polls, but there's still like five to 10% difference in some polls as well. And in every... What's what's causing such a disparity? The problem is, is that it's it's really hard to actually um, poll for elections in the UK. It always has been. Um, I'm not, I can't, like, you need to be a serious statistician to get to understand this thing completely. Are you? No. <laughs> Am I? Uh, I don't know. You built a robot. I did build a robot. I can ask Plit about, about it. You, yeah, if you want to. Maybe she'll know. Maybe it's one of the seven political facts that she knows. I'm going to give it a go anyway. I'm going to try and explain it. Um, number one, it's hard to actually contact people and get them to answer polls because the people who answer polls, at posters say themselves, are kind of weird. So they're not good really? indicators as the general population. Number two, UK politics is really, really regionalized. So... Unless you get like a good enough spread across the entire thing, you're not really going to have a good idea as to how it works. And even if you do, just because the entire country says one thing, this entire region of it that you didn't accurately forecast is wrong. So that'll actually change. Like that could be 50 to 60 seats that you don't have properly polled. There is like a fraction of the amount of money that they put into the American polls, which are 
generally pretty good and scientific. And then mm-hmm. in the last two times they've had polls before elections, actually the last three, the Scottish referendum, the UK general election and the Brexit, they were all wrong up until like the, the polls that came out a month beforehand were all wrong. They all gave totally different stats. So people are afraid, like they're saying, please don't go crazy if it turns out that the Conservatives do win big and Labour lose because that's what the polls were saying up until a month ago when they changed. And it may just because the polls are still broken and they're not sure how to fix it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of things have happened, though, that could mean that Labour could do a lot better than they thought. Um, two million people registered the votes uh, just before they closed registration. And a lot of people are expecting that those were like young voters that haven't voted before that are getting energized by Corbyn and actually want to go and try and change the system. Yeah. So. If those two so that's like you're your like 18 to mid 20s kind of range. Yeah. yeah. Or even it could be people that just haven't voted before that are getting energized because they see something in him that, that they didn't see in any other politician. The problem with that is that a beard. <laughs> if you're betting on someone, you're betting on something to happen that has never really happened before. Young people coming out and voting en masse. So, mm-hmm. of course, everything has to happen for the first time. Mm-hmm. So this could be the election that it happens for the first time. And it, it also might not be. So we're not really sure. Right. My prediction for this election is that I have no idea what's going to happen. That's that's a safe prediction. Yeah. Like we've tried predicting <laughs> stuff in the past and it's always bit of ass. Yeah. I mean, it just, it doesn't make any sense to try and predict it. The polls are all over the place. The narrative mm-hmm. of what the campaign, everyone expected it to be. It, it was supposed to be about Brexit. Brexit has hardly even been mentioned. I've hardly heard anything about Brexit. I've heard more NHS stuff than I have heard about Brexit. Exactly. Stuff. So all that's happened is that the Labour are saying that the Labour are actually, they got a pretty good game face on them and they're targeting um, student fees, NHS, like things with public spending that the Tories have been cutting for a long time and people have mm-hmm. seen the services decline. So they're saying we need to get money into these services, like good old fashioned labour policies. Mm-hmm. And the Tories made a couple of kerfuffle mistakes by saying they wanted like change and, and readjust a few things, which got turned around as being like a dementia tax um, that was like trying to change social care for the social care for the elderly, oh. and that they completely stumbled over it. And I think that they released the manifesto, and the next day had to change the policy as like a U-turn, Oof. which just looked bad. It looked very bad. That's not a good look. Corbyn had a couple of those moments where he was on uh, the BBC Women's Hour during the week to talk about um, maternal leave or funding for childcare. I can't actually remember the specifics, but he wasn't able to remember how much it cost, even though he asked to come on the show to talk about the policy. <laughs> and he was trying to pick up an iPad and log into it. And the, the presenter was actually like, so you don't know the number. You're picking up your iPad. You don't know the number. And he, he was totally flustered and fumbled and like he didn't do what he should have done and said, uh, I don't right now. I'm sorry. My apologies. If I can open my yeah. iPad, I could tell you. Um, but the people that we have worked on it, it's a great plan, a great plan. But he didn't. <laughs> he got totally flustered and fell over. But it didn't. It wasn't actually that bad because mm-hmm. he's done so well in loads of other things and the Tories have proved themselves to be just as incompetent in, in loads of other situations that it's kind of balancing out. He's actually still coming across very well. He's done well on all his uh, big media appearances, like the big interviews, like people go crazy at the rallies that he's organizing around the country. They, they really seem to love the message that he's getting out there. I don't think maybe one or two of the polls are actually saying that he could win by percentages, but most people are saying he's not going to win, but he's not going to lose as badly as everyone expected at the start, which mm. would put him in a strong position to not have to step down as leader. Which, which would have been the outcome had they lost badly? Um, Not necessarily. Like right. it's up to him, but it would be nearly like if they lost a hundred seats it, and like a third of their party or more, it would be really hard to justify how we could stay on. Sure. And of course. yeah, but if he only loses 10, 20, 30 seats, then it will be a lot easier to say I, I can stay on and change this and fix this. Mm-hmm. 
which eh, I don't know. Honestly, Corbyn, I like I never got behind him in the same way that I thought that Bernie Sanders was interesting and had a good ideas. And I mean, Corbyn is interesting. He does have good ideas, but I don't I just don't think he's the person to do it. So he really mm-hmm. needs to try and hand it over to the next generation at this stage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Um, mm-hmm. That's pretty much the whole shebang. Like I said, I've got I've got no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> I'm really looking forward. Yeah. The BBC. When, when is the election again? Thursday. Thursday. The voting happens on Thursday, and the 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 UK don't do what we do. Um, they they're more like the American. They don't take a day and then start counting the next day. They actually go straight into it and start counting that night. Wow. But they do have one poll that is usually nearly always on the on the nose, and that is the BBC exit poll. So they have people. This is the one with that with that garden no man. <laughs> David Dimbleby about yeah, yeah, yeah. He, David Dimbleby he, yeah the gar- that's the most garden gnomey name I've ever heard he's the question time guy as well actually that's his that's his shtick if you've seen uh-huh. the show that, that was his show that they were on the guy's asking about the nukes that was his show uh, um, David Dimbleby he will stand up at 10pm on BBC News and Big Ben will sound 10 times and then he'll go here is the BBC exit poll and a big graphic will come up with the prediction so last time everyone expected it to be a hung parliament but then he said Conservatives largest party will win the election and everyone's like, mm-hmm. what? What do you mean by, what does a hung parliament mean? Oh, sorry, a hung parliament. So it's, it's, no. Sounds kind of sexy. It's not. Um, no, oh. neither Labour nor the Conservatives get enough votes to have a majority on their own. And the, oh. the parliament is hung. Well hung. Uh, that's, that's actually, <laughs> some of the polls are predicting that that might happen this time. That's what happened in 2010 when they had to go for the Conservative Labour, or sorry, the Conservative Lib Dem coalition. Um, so it's a rare thing in UK politics, whereas it's the standard in Irish politics and it never happens in American politics. Um, so, yeah, he's going to say at 10 o'clock uh, Thursday and I'm I'm going to be pretty surprised. I, like, I'm going to be surprised no matter what. I'm going to be surprised if the polls are right. I'm going to be surprised if the polls are wrong. And I'm going to be surprised mm-hmm. if it's actually what everyone predicted back at the start and Theresa May won, wins 100 seats. No matter what's going to happen, this has been such a crazy campaign. And so all over yeah. the place that it's going to be surprising. Wow. Okay. So try and predict um, that, you robot. <laughs> Hold on. Do I, did I pre-program in any witty responses for anything like this? Um, no. Shit, no. Stop it. Sorry. That's still intimidating. <laughs> I hit it by mistake. <laughs> So yeah, that's it. Surprising election. Uh, thank yous to everyone that's been listening. Thank you to the people that have taken the time to review us on iTunes. It is very, very helpful. Follow us on Twitter, Wadam Politics. You can follow us on Facebook. We got a, a, a message from Richard Bonnet, who is in the Midwest of America, I believe. He was uh, mm-hmm. giving us his thoughts on a few things. It was pretty enlightening, actually. So these kind of messages, we do appreciate them. Um, yeah, thank like, you, Richard. He actually he actually expressed um, he, he shares the same pain as I do about being called Dick. Yeah. Um, after <laughs> well, after we did our episode on law, with his really nice message, he proved himself not to be a dick whatsoever. So exactly, yeah. So he's good. He actually he actually um, pointed out something that we've mentioned on the show before, but it's kind of worth pointing out as this show grows that. You know, when we first started out, it was important to me that this show be apolitical. But as time has gone on, that's not been the case. Um, yeah, it's just it's not possible. Have, no, it's not you, possible. You can't be an apolitical political show. No, not at all. Yeah. Um, and I guess that was just my own naivety because I didn't know how any of this worked. Um, and like I'm the one who edits these podcasts, and so I have to listen to them back multiple times. And over the course of doing that, I'm just being beaten over the head with my own bias. <laughs> but like that's that's okay. Like I think what we're going for now more so is, you know, we, we do have our own biases, but then hopefully being respectful of the other side. Now, I don't want to 
our um, slagging off of Donald Trump be misinterpreted as slagging off everything who everyone who has an um, a, opinion that's different to ours. That's not the case at all. It's just so happens that an awful lot of like alt-right stuff or stuff that Trump does or populist movement stuff, it just begets kind of um, slagging from us, I guess. Well, it's Trump. Because of, it's Trump himself. Yeah. Like he's incompetent. He's like, it's, it's so hard to find something nice to say about him. I honestly, I do try and find it, but it just doesn't happen. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. You, and then we're not going to just plainly report it. We're going to, we're going to try and make jokes about it because it's a funny political yeah. podcast. That's what we do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so on, this guy, he keeps on giving us material. We're going to keep on using it. Yeah, exactly. And this guy, Richard, just kind of pointed out that he respected that we acknowledge that our, our, our bias as the show has kind of evolved. But I just, yeah, I want to like That's reiterate true. on and that. And he did actually say, just to be aware that like from his perspective on the ground, that when it came to the election, the other people were just as bad. Like the people, oh, yeah. the people who sat yeah. against. And that's true. Actually, did you see uh, something I should have mentioned in the roundup, but we'll quickly say it now. Um, Hillary Clinton gave a big interview where she blamed everyone but herself for losing the election, which mm-hmm. isn't very nice. I didn't see that. Yeah. No, that's not, that's not cool at all for all the people who put in a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. That's not classy. That's not classy at all. Yeah. They, that, that's something I guess we'll, as we get better at this and as we go on, we'll start making fun of our own side as well because yeah. there's plenty there to, to slag off. We're just, we're sorry. It's just because we get so distracted by Trump all the time. We forget to make fun of other people, but we'll try. We will try. <laughs> we'll tr- we will try. Put everyone under this microscope. <laughs> I have a microphone. You have a microscope? <laughs> I've been recording on a microscope. <laughs> Actually, speaking of recording on microscopes, we pre-recorded an episode a couple of days ago that we're going to put up in about two weeks' time. And Steve decided to record his end of that recording on what sounded like a microscope because the quality was garbage. So just watch out for that in your feeds over the coming weeks. Um, it's I, a very special yeah. episode. <laughs> I'm shamed. <laughs> I pressed the wrong button. A, yeah, I pressed the wrong button, recorded over his webcam mic instead of his normal mic. But it, we, we edited it and it sounds fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, but yeah, we've got a very special episode coming up in, I, I, I think we're going to release it in about two weeks. Uh, we That's not locked down yet for sure. But it is a, it's a little bit more laid back of an episode, a little bit more casual. We invited in some friends to talk about um, America and what it feels like to be American and what it means to be American, what, how it's perceived to be American and how all those things have changed um, based on the shifting political landscape. And we've gotten some pretty unique perspectives on that. Um, I won't give away too much, but it's a good episode. It's a fun episode. So keep an eye out for that in your feeds. Yes, sir. Uh, is that it? That's it. Um, okay. I'm going to read it already again. Uh, uh, like, uh, subscribe, um, review, uh, follow on social medias and oh, um, we'll try and talk to you very soon with a post-election roundup before this amazing uh, special episode that Richie has up his sleeve. Yes. See yous. Goodbye, Steve. Catch you on the flip side, my dog. You are not my dog. (laughs) 